Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from Luke chapter 11 where the Lord Jesus teaches us how to pray. You may be seated. We begin today with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we give you thanks this morning that you have gathered us here, O Lord, so that we might learn how to pray. Lord Jesus, we do confess that we struggle in our prayer life at times, and so we pray that your words would both comfort and empower us to go forth praying to you with confidence and joy. Grant us now your Holy Spirit so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you imagine if Jesus said no to the disciples today when they came to him after he had finished praying and they approach him and they say, Lord, teach us how to pray. Can you imagine if Jesus had said something like this? Not right now. I'm awfully busy. I've got a lot of healing to go do and there's more important things for me to worry about than your prayer life. Or, or what if Jesus had said something like this? Why in the world would I teach you how to pray? What makes you think God wants to hear from a sinner like you? Clean up your life, then maybe we can talk. Or, or what if Jesus said something like this? Well, maybe I'll teach you to pray, but you have to do something for me first. You give to me, then I'll give, you back, I'll give back to you, then I'll teach you the secret of prayer. Now, can you imagine Jesus responding like that? That would be strange to us to see him acting that way in the scriptures. And yet, far too often when I hear people talk to me about why they struggle in their prayer life, those are the reasons they give. I don't pray because I'm too sinful. God doesn't want to hear from a sinner like me. God has more important things to worry about than my little issues. I haven't done enough to please him, therefore I cannot enter into his presence. And we come with these ideas because we are convinced for some reason that God is just going to say no. And those must be the reasons. You see, our biggest fear when it comes to prayer is that God is going to say no. And I think we have this fear for a number of reasons, but two of them I think stand out to me. First is this, and this is a hard thing to hear, but I think it's true if we're honest with ourselves. We don't think Jesus will say yes because we simply don't have enough faith. Our faith is not nearly as strong as we think it is. And that's a harsh reality sometimes, but I fear that it's true. We just don't have a strong enough faith. The second reason we think Jesus is going to say no is because uh, we think he has. We've prayed for a number of things in the past, and it hasn't come to fruition. We've prayed for things that we were convinced were God's will, and we had Bible verses to back it up, and yet it didn't turn out the way we wanted it to turn out. And so we are convinced that God is just going to say no. And so we really wrestle today with Jesus' teachings about prayer, where he says things like, ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. We hear this today in the reading, and we wonder if it's really true. So we can find ourselves today with the disciples coming to Jesus saying, all right, Lord, teach us how to do this. We're not sure if it's working. Please show us how to pray. And Jesus' response to the disciples today and to you and I, I think is both perplexing, as we've kind of just talked about, but also remarkably comforting. See, the way Jesus teaches us to pray ought to completely reorient the way that we think 
about prayer. In response to their request and in response to their inquiry, Jesus does, as is his mode of operation, uh, Jesus gives them gifts. They come to him saying, teach us how to pray, and Jesus has two presents, two gifts prepared for them to help them in this endeavor. The first gift he gives them is the gift of prayer itself. He not only gives them the gift of a prayer, he gives them the prayer we are to pray, the Lord's Prayer. And then, following that, he gives them promises. He gives them the gift of a prayer, and he gives them the gift of a promise. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to open these gifts, and we're going to see what it is that Jesus gives us to teach us how to pray. So the first thing he gives, the gift of prayer. We often call it the Lord's Prayer because it is the prayer that the Lord taught us to pray, and it is a gift that he has placed into the mouths of the faithful, teaching faithful people how to pray to their God. Now that's an interesting concept for us because we don't tend to think about prayer as a gift. We tend to think about prayer as a work. It's something that we perform. It's something that we do. Prayer is nothing more than the feelings and the emotions of my heart being poured out to God. This is actually, if you think about it, a rather self-centered view of prayer. And if we learn anything from Jesus today, prayer is not self-centered. It's God-centered. It's God-focused. It's not concerned so much with the feelings of my heart as it is concerned with the ear of the Father. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great uh, German theologian of the last century, said it this way, prayer does not mean simply to pour out one's heart. It means rather to find the way to God and to speak with him, whether the heart is full or empty. And no one can do that by themselves. For that, one needs Jesus Christ. And so Jesus gives us today the gift of the prayer that we are to pray. Now, you may have noticed, if you're paying attention to the gospel reading this morning, in Luke's gospel, we have sort of the shortened version of the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew's version, uh, we have the longer version that we say in services on Sunday morning. Uh, Either way, the Pope might change it, so that might not be our concern today. Nonetheless, we'll stick with what the Bible says. Jesus gives us today the gift of this, this beautifully crafted prayer that is so complex and yet so sinful. Simple. It's not sinful. We should clarify that one uh, before we move on. It's so simple. It's this beautiful prayer where we are joined with all the saints in glorifying God. Jesus teaches us a prayer that every Christian for 2,000 years has prayed, and all of us together with one voice go before the throne of the Father praying these beautiful, profound words. And yet at the same time, these are the words of a dear child praying, speaking to their dear father. It covers everything we need for both body and soul. It focuses us in on God's name, on his will, on his kingdom, and then asks to be a part of that as we plead for our daily bread, as we ask for forgiveness we know has been won for us in Jesus Christ, and we pray that that forgiveness would shape the way we forgive others. It then teaches us to pray against the temptations that come our way and the attacks of the evil one. It gives us everything we need for body and soul. Unlike the demands of the pagans, which place uh, the prayer above the one being prayed to and make demands, and unlike the prayers of the Jews that would come along and say, I thank you, God, that I'm not like this and I'm not like that, this prayer is a prayer of dependence. 
It places us beneath the Father, teaching us to ask from Him, teaching us to trust in Him. This is simply the words of faith. Prayer teaches faith how to speak. Again, this gift is perfect in its simplicity and yet drives us into the never-ending, inexhaustible depths of God's love for us. All of this is a gift from a Father whom we can approach confidently because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And that last point there, I don't want to move over that too quickly. I don't want you to dismiss that idea, but the reason we can pray, the reason we can go before the Father is because Jesus Christ has died for us. We can't go before God on our own. We can't walk into, we can't sort of storm into the throne room of heaven and start making demands of God and telling him what to do as though we were above him. Because you see, that is the definition of sin, to place yourself above God. No, the only way we can go before God is if our sins are removed from us. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ has done for you. And I want you to hear this because if you're one of the people here this morning who says, I don't pray because I'm too sinful, or I don't pray because I don't think God wants to hear from someone like me. He's got more important things to worry about. Uh, I've not done enough to impress him to be able to enter into his throne room. Throne room. If that's what you're thinking, if that's why you don't hear prayer, or why you don't pray, I have a very important message for you. These are express orders I have from the king of heaven himself to deliver to you today. Your sins are forgiven, and there is nothing separating you from the love of God anymore. All the sins you've committed, any record of sin that is held against you, Jesus Christ has nailed it to the cross and removed it from you. This is true for all of you here this morning. You have had the blood of Christ shed for you. You are washed clean in his blood so that now you have nothing separating you from God. Any sin that would keep you from his presence is gone. And now Jesus has reconciled you to the Father. And as a gift, he has given you the ear of the Father who is happy to hear you, who is happy to hear your prayers. This leads then to the second gift. Not only is he happy to hear your prayers, he promises to answer them for your good. You dearly beloved, forgiven children of God, the Lord Jesus has a promise for you today that the Father will answer your prayers for your good. And Jesus illustrates this for us today uh, with, with a parable and then kind of an illustration. And the parable is a little strange for us as Americans to hear, so I want to kind of break it down for you here this morning. But the parable goes like this. A gentleman has a friend who comes to visit him, and the man shows up in the middle of the night. Now, he's probably been walking for miles and miles. He's starving, and he's famished. And as he comes to the house, the man has no bread to give him. And so he runs to his neighbor's house and knocks on the door in the middle of the night and says, uh, hey, can I have some bread for my friend who's come to visit? Now, you and I hear this, and our response is, don't knock on my door. Go to Ralph's. The grocery store is open. Why are you bothering me? We totally understand the response of the man when he says, don't bother me, the door's already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. In our culture, that makes total sense. In Jesus' culture, this is unheard of. It's almost a joke. See, what we need to understand is that hospitality used to matter in this world, and hospitality was remarkably significant in those days. 
If you had someone come visit you in the middle of the night, it was expected that you would be able to provide food for him. And if you couldn't, your neighbor most certainly would. And if you didn't, and if your neighbor wouldn't, what would happen then is you would bring shame upon your entire village. Other villages and other peoples would begin to reject you and ignore you. They would not associate with you because you were shameful and selfish. So to hear somebody say, I can't give you bread, I'm already asleep, this is, this is a joke, this is unheard of. No one in their right mind would say that. Uh, so he would get up, and what he does do is he gets up and gives him bread for the sake of the reputation of his self, his self and his family and for the town. Now if a man like this is going to do that to save face, how much more will your good father give to the one who seeks, who knocks, and who asks? After all, your good father, he has a reputation to uphold. He's going around saying he's a good father and he's a gracious giver. And he wants you to put him to the test. He wants you to ask and to seek and to knock. And watch him uphold his reputation. Second, then, Jesus says, what kind of father do you think he is? Is he a good father or a bad father? What kind of father among you, if your son comes to you asking for fish, uh, is going to put a snake in his hand? Or or wants eggs for breakfast and instead you throw a scorpion at his face? What kind of father does that? Jesus says, I tell you, a bad father. But your father in heaven is not a bad malicious father. No, he loves his children. And he has nothing but good gifts to give. This is what Christ has purchased for you with his blood all the gifts of heaven, all the blessings that the Father has to provide for you, and he wants to give them to you. So seek, so knock, and so ask. See, the promises of Jesus today, these illustrations he gives, showing us what a good father we have. They give us confidence when we pray. And so here's specifically what he says. I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And later on he promises, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to the one who asks him? And that last line, I think, is rather significant for us. Perhaps part of our problem with prayer is that we ask too small. For God is promising to give us not just the little things we need in this life. <laughs> He's promising to give us the third member of the triune God. He wants you to ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then with this word, the Spirit and this promise from Jesus will teach us to pray. And I think this all brings us back now to our struggle with no, with our fear of no. We struggle with the words of Jesus because we don't feel like we're experiencing these things in our prayer life, but perhaps that's because we've entirely misunderstood prayer. It is not a matter of us uh, telling God what we want and then waiting for him to show up on our clock. It's, It's not like God is this great waiter in the sky who shows up with a menu and says, what do you want to eat? And we say, we want this, and we made it, want it made to our specifications, and if it's too hot or too cold, we're sending it back, and I want it now. That's not how prayer works. No. Prayer is the cry of faith. Prayer is dependence upon God. Prayer is trusting God for his will to be done, for his kingdom to come, for his name to be hallowed in our lives. It's trusting him to provide us with our daily bread, everything we need for our body and for this life. It's trusting him to make good on his promise to forgive our sins and to keep us safe 
from temptation and the evil one. These are the things God has promised you that he will give you. He will not hold back when we pray for such things. So Martin Luther writes this in the large catechism. Whenever a good Christian prays, dear father, your will be done. God replies from above, yes, dear child. And you are that child. Yes, dear child. It shall indeed be done. In spite of the devil and all the world. These verses today aren't teaching you to ask God for whatever you want and expect it the next day. Rather, these are cries of trust and dependence, what we call faith, that turn to God for everything we need for life and salvation. These are words that teach our faith how to speak to a gracious Father who loves you because Christ has purchased you with his blood and made you his own. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks for the gift of prayer. We thank you, Father, that you have opened your ear to us and you have promised to hear us and answer us according to your will and for our good. We pray, O Lord, that you would make good on these promises. You would teach us to trust you in our prayers by answering them in a way that we can see is favorable to us. But in all things, Lord, keep us trusting you we thank you for your son, Jesus, and that he has given us access into your throne room. And we thank you that you hear us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.